Before we get into the interview, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. This actually is going to be something of a season finale for the inaugural season of Tim Talks Politics. I will be taking a break for the foreseeable future. Well, actually, it's more like just until the end of the year. Uh, that's because my wife and I are anticipating the arrival of a new member of our family in just a couple weeks, and it's time to get ready for a new baby. Uh, while uh, I'm also going to be in the midst of writing papers and wrapping up a busy semester. So trifle busy. And so we're going to have to take a bit of a hiatus from the Tim Talks Politics podcast, but that's okay because that gives you plenty of time to catch up on any of the episodes that you might have missed uh, in this kind of like, I, I don't know, season one, you might say. And it also might give you time to, to check out, if you haven't already, the weekly brief, the premium newsletter that I write out of uh, Tim Talks Politics. Uh, you can check that out, timtalkspolitics.com backslash weekly brief, and sign up for it there. Welcome to the Tim Talks Politics Podcast, conversation on government, citizenship, and America's place in the world. I'm your host, Tim Malash. Let's talk some politics. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Tim Talks Politics podcast, and we are taking a bit of a turn in our topics of conversation this week. Uh, this week, I am really excited to introduce to you our first ever interview on the Tim Talks Politics podcast, and we will be talking about elections, and we'll be talking about it from a very unique perspective because our interviewee is running for president. Anastasia Halcombe is a wife, mother, business owner, presidential candidate, and perhaps most importantly, our first interviewee on the Tim Talks Politics podcast, Anastasia Halcombe. Welcome to the Tim Talks Politics podcast. Thank you, Tim. I'm excited to be here. Great. Although um, we're excited to have you because, uh, of course, obviously, you know, the most important thing to you right now is probably not being my first interviewee, but the fact that <laughs> you are a presidential candidate, which is uh, probably going to take a few of my listeners by surprise because they probably haven't heard your name yet in the national polls. Why is that? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Um, well, that would be because I am not doing this in the traditional sense that it has, you know, been done over the last, I don't know, five or six decades. Um, I'm running as an independent candidate, and um, I do not have a background in politics. So really doing this, um, really learning my way through this as we go. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have you on to talk to you about your experience as a presidential candidate, because uh, one of the things that I love to do on Tim Talks Politics in this podcast on my website and in my newsletter is uh, we work to promote a kind of like a deeper, richer conversation about politics and citizenship. And I think a big part of promoting those kinds of conversations is kind of taking that political conversation out of these more uh, recognized grooves of American politics, kind of like you referred to, the kind of typical way of doing things, two parties, very long election cycles, you know, <laughs> lots of uh political experience backgrounds kind of thing. That's kind of what we're used to. But I think sometimes mm -hmm. that can kind of obscure what we're trying to do uh, as citizens and what we're, you know, why we should take 
our politics semi-seriously at the very least. And so I was really excited to see this kind of active citizenship that you're bringing to, you know, taking the plunge to being an independent candidate. So uh, that's uh, that's just really exciting and really commend you for taking that step. Well, so, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of uh, first questions. Why don't we start there? Uh, what first got you interested in politics and running for political office? Because as you say, uh, you have no background <laughs> in politics. So what got you going yes. in that direction? Um, I could give you the very PC um, version of this, but I'm not going to because I do feel honored that I am your first official um interview and so I am going to have complete transparency. Um, this was not my idea at all. So if someone had asked me when I was little what I wanted to be when I grew up, it would be an actress or a singer or a dancer or a combination of the three. Um, I love musical theater and- um, That makes two of us, so yeah. very good. <laughs> yes, and devoted a lot of my life to that. Um, and then I went, I married a man who is absolutely amazing, um, but was not in the military. And, and I had told God, I never want to marry a man in the military or in any type of service, um, including a pastor. So God had different plans and about a year into our marriage, not even, um, my husband lost his job after the big recession of 09 mm -hmm. that hit California. Right. And uh, we had, um, I had my stepdaughter and then I was pregnant, seven months pregnant with our, uh, with Ariana, which was our first together. And he didn't have any choice. I mean, we tried everything. And so finally we went to our parents for some wisdom and they said, what about the military? And so my husband enlisted in the military and wow. We have been doing that for the last 10 years. Um, and I, it was interesting because during that time, I mean, there's been tons of things that have transpired and we've moved all over and we've seen a lot of different things and experienced things that I never would have. I mean, my neither of my parents were in the military. I grew up in California, so not um, that was not something that I knew, you know, other than 9-11, yeah. which right. shook my world. But um, and, and all of America. Um, mm -hmm. I had a huge, just heart for patriotism, but not any really <laughs> real life experience. So, um, I started working, I did a bunch of different things, but I ended up becoming very successful with, um, an essential oil business that I ran and just empowering moms and women, um, with just natural resources to be mm -hmm. able to care for their families as a, you know, first line of defense. And sure. Um, my husband was deployed in Afghanistan. This was at the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had come home um, from his from his deployment there. And I was just every day, you know, just a normal, typical day. It was on a weekend and I was making coffee in the kitchen. And uh, God spoke to me, like clear as day, like you could hear a voice. And mm -hmm. he said, I want you to run for president. And I kind of just like did that, like double take, turning around in my kitchen going, who just said that? Like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I have had experiences where, you know, like you'll have dreams or things where, 
and throughout my life where the Lord has, I have a personal relationship with the Lord and there's times where he has spoken to me, but this was, this was just so just firm and bold. There was Mm -hmm. no doubting it. And immediately I said, president of what? (laughs) And, uh, he said, president of the United States of America. And I was just like, in shock, I walk into the I walk into the bedroom where my where my husband is at, and I hand him the cup of coffee, and he goes, "You are like you look like you've seen a ghost. Like what is wrong?" And uh, I said, "I think I'm s- supposed to run for president." And he's like, "What? Like what?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Have you ever been interested in this?" And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> and, um, Good thing you handed him the cup of coffee first. <laughs> yeah, good thing. Good thing. <laughs> like, just drink that and just, uh, we don't have to talk for a few hours. So, yeah, so that's that's what started it, Tim. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's an amazing story. And I think, <laughs> you know, at the same time, I think there is something to be said, too, for uh, just see the track your family has gone on. Uh, there seems to be this kind of like growing awareness of your lives being part of something uh, bigger than maybe your immediate community. I wondered, is that yeah. part of it at all? That function of having moved to different places as part of uh, your military life, the fact that you're part of the military and that community, uh, as that made you, uh, did that make the experience make you more aware of kind of this, the bigness of America, you might say? Well, uh, yes and no. I would say on, on one hand, it makes it, it's a big world, but military it's such a small community and um you run into you know some of your friends that maybe two or three duty stations ago you were like giving tearful goodbyes to we don't say goodbye to the military we just say you know see you later but um (laughs) but yeah i i think that i think what it what it really has done for me is be able to see i mean again being very real i remember when they were um, deployed when my husband was deployed in Afghanistan the first time. And the, there was a huge government shutdown that happened. And the media right. was up there on the screen. We were in McDonald's in Alaska. And I had two little kids, um, two little babies, like under the age of two. Wow. And he had shipped off. And I, you know, didn't know a soul other than my neighbor who we became instant best friends. Cause that's just what you do. And they're um, up there saying, oh, yes, you know, everything is fine. That All of our soldiers that are serving overseas, like this isn't affecting them. They're still being paid. And that was a bold-faced lie. Like my card had just got declined at McDonald's. I had the oh, kind people behind me that that paid for my kids' Happy Meals and my ice cream cone. Like, it, and that's when it, I went, oh, my gosh. Like, we don't even realize as citizens, as Americans, what really is going on and what's happening. And I'm, I mean, I had to call and go call my banks and, and call, you know, our car dealerships and just let them know like, hey, um, the government shut down. It, it is real and we haven't been paid and I'm so sorry. Um, you know, as soon as we do, I will make my payment. It, mm-hmm. That was a very eye-opening um, experience for me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I'd imagine it would be because I think uh, and that's one of the things why I like uh, talking to people like you about these kind of 
you know, obviously in your context, that was a very stressful experience, but at the same time, right. <laughs> I'm sure very, very stressful. But I think it's useful to hear those stories because uh, it's very easy to get, get kind of caught up in this 24-7 news cycle where we yeah. kind of start watching politics like a sport or some, you know, epic reality TV show. And we t- yeah. kind of tend to forget that there's this very practical effects of what we're seeing up there and that is affecting real people. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm starting to see that this is starting to influence a little bit more people who are running for office and are stepping into that realm because, uh, mm-hmm. they, yeah, they've had experiences like that where they're recognizing that, no, this, this is actually something real. And I guess the flip side of that is because of the realness of it, that means you can actually have an impact in changing it. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah, and there you come, I can come from, and I am coming from that perspective of going, you know, the first, the first um, step to realizing that you have a problem and being able to fix it is identifying that you have a problem. And so that is where I feel like I'm at right now with going, even though this wasn't my idea to begin with, my heart is being opened and I'm starting to see America through the lens of I can actually do something like I can recognize maybe where where we have um, some issues we have some problems we have some hurts in our nation that need to be mended and healed and addressed yeah so while we're actually on this topic um, would you mind if we just kind of hit a couple items on your uh, on the vision you have for America posted on your website? Sure. Uh, so there's a couple in particular that I wanted to touch on. One is the military, because as a uh, wife of a current serving member of the military, having had the experiences you've had, uh, your uh, statement on the military, the kind of bullet point you have is honoring and cherishing our troops from enlistment to discharge. Uh, what would you say that looks like in terms of I mean, just obviously not don't have to be like a super specific policy, but just right. uh, you've had some pretty real experiences on when the enlistment to discharge pipeline gets broken down from a policy perspective. So what do you see as some of the like top pieces that need to be addressed in that area? Um, well, I mean, right off the bat, definitely there needs to be higher pay for our service members. Um, we have people that are that are giving their life to this country or are swearing in with the expectancy that that could be a reality and they're making the ultimate sacrifice and they're getting paid essentially, you know, pennies for it. Um, Especially if you're a, if you're a young soldier coming in 17, 18 years old, straight out of high school. Um, This is, (laughs) this is not the best career move. Uh, right now. But so I would say higher pay for military as well as just more incentives and better care. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you have health care. Uh, that's it's it's a flawed system in and of itself. Um, but there's not very many incentives. And depending on where you go, even in America, they don't even offer military discount, you know, at at establishments, at chains. You know, a lot of them here in the South will, because you have a lot of military installations, but it's always it's always funny to us when we go to California and 
they're like, oh no, we offer firefighter discounts, mm-hmm. but not military. And that's wonderful that you offer firefighter. Absolutely. But um, like military, I just don't think there's enough of an awareness in our yeah. nation right now with saying this is a real thing. Like there's real people. <laughs> and it sounds, it sounds like what you're saying. Sorry to interrupt, but I just no, want no. I, we kind of, like scooted by this and I want to make sure this connection gets made because I think you just said something really important. That is, uh, you, you note that pay is really, really low, especially for enlistees. And, um, and I think a lot of times the general public is going to look at a military discount as kind of like this more of a patriotic thing when at, whereas it might, it sounds like for military families, it actually is a rather, key thing for their economic mm-hmm. well-being right yeah it definitely is especially for i mean really all enlistment ranks unless you're like an e8 which at that point you've been in and you've <laughs> you've given life and blood and an elbow and an arm or something you know i'm sure right. but yeah um yeah it's this is i mean i know for us when my husband enlisted with having a having a bachelor's of science um, mm-hmm. went in enlisted and we were making $1,200 a month with two kids. Like wow. that is in, in California, you know, that is yeah. just, you can't live on that. So, um, that's, that's definitely a real thing, higher pay. And then the, the other side to that, I mean, I, I have, I have a lot of ideas when it comes to that, but again, mm-hmm. we don't have to go into the specifics of that. Um, but even for those that, let's say you've served for four years or eight years or 10 years, um, that's not considered a retirement from the military. Uh, you can be considered, you know, a veteran, but mm-hmm. there's there's no benefits for you at that point. And I really think that that is a shame. I was actually speaking to a guy, Ray, um, here who's in his 80s and served in World War II and was telling me how he can't even get on post to buy gas or to buy a loaf of bread um, because he didn't do his, I guess at the time, 20 years or it might have been 16 years, but um, wow. he only did 10 years. And and he's, I mean, he's a major <laughs> in the <laughs> army. Um, and can't even get on post. So I think just it's a very it's a small gesture, but that will go a long way to showing honor and respect uh, to the military. And that would be to allow them to have shop and exchange privileges on post. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can finish that thought. No, I just I, I think that that would that would be a wonderful gesture. And it would also yeah. help the economy of the post or the base, you know, sure. in that in that specific area is you're just going to, they're going to be purchasing it anyways, might as well purchase it there. Um, so it would be a way to increase revenue for them as well. And I also think that healthcare should be covered mental health and physical health, 100% for anyone who has served. So even if you come and you serve four years, um, you get it for life yeah. for your, for your sacrifice. Yeah. Well, I think that I think you make a really good point here about the importance of honoring uh, not just current uh, military members of the military, but even just uh, past members of the military. And in the example you just shared, I can imagine, uh, especially for those elder veterans, um, there's a lot of 
uh, there's still a lot of need there, even economic need that the oh, yeah. military bases and establishment can still supply and assist with. So there's not just this honoring, but there's just I really like the practicality of helping them in that in that place they're at in life. And that's really good. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just pivoting off of that for a second to some of okay. the nuts and bolts of um, you know running a political campaign. I'm sure it's been a pretty steep learning curve for you considering <laughs> this is pretty new. That might be an understatement, but uh, generally speaking, what has the process look like for you to kickstart a presidential election campaign? I mean, were there any like uh, papers that needed to be filed and uh, step like bureaucratic hoops you had to jump through <laughs> to make the run official? Like what, what does that process look like for you? Yeah. So there's no, I tried, I looked, I went to, you know, Barnes and Noble and was like, Hey, uh, run, had to run for president for dummies and it doesn't exist. Um, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's not even a website for it. Um, unfortunately. So it's been a lot of trial and error. It's been a lot of, uh, you know, Google searches, a lot of just, you know, being honest. And for, for some reason, people, when you say, you know what, I, I'm going to run for president they're they just automatically wants to give you all this advice, but the advice typically is like, do you even know what you're doing? I mean, you know, you don't have a shot, you know, it costs billions of dollars. Uh, you can only right. run on a Republican or Democrat ticket. It's like, whoa, 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 people. Um, so there is, there's a lot of that, but not a lot of actual practical knowledge and help. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's been, that's been something that has definitely been more difficult uh, for me is being able to, you know, find people that are, that are willing to just listen and say, oh, you know what, I, I do know how to do this, or I could point you, you know, maybe I have this contact or this person. Um, but yes, you do have to file with the FEC. And to make this legal, you have to, to announce um, your candidacy through them by filling out a two page document. And that document is a little daunting, I will say, um, on the second part, because you, you basically like sign your life away with this affidavit claiming that, you know, you're you could be subject to imprisonment and and a bunch of other things if you're at all fraudulent in this. Um, so so that wow. that paper is I mean, anybody can fill it out. It's very easy, um, but it's kind of a pain in the butt to get to because it's literally titled document form two, um, mm -hmm. rather than being like titled, you know, here's a presidential <laughs> candidate form or something. Right. Um, so you like, you're filling it out. You're going, well, this is the correct form, right? Yeah. So, okay. Looking back and forth between, um, and then establishing a legitimate way to, to gather funds. That was another mm -hmm. one, um, where I was like, you know, really weary about making sure that I, that I was handling that process correctly. So, um, you have to, if anyone's looking to do this, here you go. Um, step two, you have to open up a PAC account and right. a PAC and you have, there's not a lot of banks that will actually do that for you. So I had to go to Austin. That was my closest bank, which is a good 45 miles from my home, um, to be able to open up a PAC, a PAC Mm -hmm. uh, campaign account. So I think those wow. are the two, those are the two like main ones, you know, then there's been like, you need like this whole full on staff and 
a whole bunch of money and funding. Um, right. And, and, and running as an independent, that, that portrays its own, you know, idiosyncrasies because you have to be, you have to have signatures in every state and every state has a different amount of signatures and, and you have to file in that state to get your name on the ballot. And then there's filing fees and the filing fees vary per state. So yeah, it's a, and then there's, and then there's deadlines to those. So, right. Right. So yeah. Wow. There's there's a little bit of, little bit of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, to, to say the least, I mean, and I imagine, uh, and that's kind of the stuff I want to actually hear a bit about from you, because I don't think that's always in the background. It's just, uh, there, when it comes to running a presidential election, uh, I, I don't think people appreciate the infrastructure that the formal political parties bring to this, such yeah. that candidates almost hardly have to worry about it too much, I'd imagine. I mean, I might be oversimplifying it here, but for independents, that really presents a major barrier uh, for an independent candidacy to get off the ground and actually uh, have a shot. Now, you did mention that some people in their helpfulness, uh, air quotes here, uh, would say things like, hey, independents don't have a prayer. It's not it's not up. You know, it's why are you doing it that way, et cetera. cetera. Um, Or you're trying to take votes. That's been another, that's been another famous one. Oh, right. You know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised. uh, So are you getting that? I I mean, I'm being a little facetious here. So if anyone's listening in Texas, like I apologize for being facetious, but the last time (laughs) we had a really successful third party independent candidate, it was a fellow Texan, Ross Perot in 92. So uh, I would imagine that there'd be something of a kind of like a real support for something like that in, uh, in your area. I know I was actually just being really honest again. I was, I was a little taken aback by that. Um, You have a lot of people though, that are on this. I would say our, our current president has done a great job rallying people to support him um, almost to this like where people are almost kind of bullies like they immediately take it as I am trying to dismount our president from the throne and and I'm saying no I'm just trying to say I'm running for president but I'm not (laughs) to like not to like beat up any of the candidates actually i mean i'm probably the the one person that doesn't want to do that um i i feel like that is very petty um but i'm just going i'm going and doing this and i have i mean i have every right to do it as an american citizen i I do so yeah it's it's been there's there's been a lot of learning i I feel like i've in the last two weeks because it's only been two weeks since i announced there has been so much growth um, that I have um, gone through and so many lessons that I have learned. I mean, even to, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, just so many lessons. <laughs> so actually stepping off of that a little bit and some of the like, you know, negative, as you say, bullying feedback uh, that comes out of this, if you call it feedback, if it's bullying, right? Uh, right. But um just coming off of that, though, I think when people announce they're running for president, there's a tendency for people who immediately want to know, well, what are you going to do in your first day of office, your first hundred days of office? And like right. the, the focus immediately becomes on what will you do as president? And I think there's a tendency to forget that uh, 
you can actually accomplish a lot just as a candidate. Not, not necessarily. I mean, you almost don't, it's almost one of those things where you don't have to win the presidency to still move the needle in a particular direction uh, or something like that. So, um, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, the first day in office, the first hundred days in office (laughs) is kind of this very abstract thing. I would imagine it's fairly abstract for even the major party candidates at this point. Right. Uh, what would you say, just thinking as yourself of yourself as a presidential candidate, uh, what would you be looking to accomplish as a candidate? Um, so you're saying not what, not actually like in office. You're yeah, yeah. Like, let's just dispense like with that okay. first day in office, first hundred days stuff. Let's right. just like focus from here to that. election day. What would okay. you want to accomplish as a candidate? That's such a thank you for that, Tim, actually, because that is such a great perspective. No one has asked me that question. And uh, that just that just rings really true to me to kind of bring my perspective back to that place of I want every step of this journey. I want it to be that I'm providing hope and encouragement to people and I think there is in our society today um, kind of this stigma around what a woman should be doing, especially, you know, I have young kids at home. My youngest is 18 months old. (laughs) Um, So I have very young kids at home all the way up to my 16-year-old, who's the one that I inherited. Well, there is at least for me and for a lot of my close friends, when you get married and you start having kids, you kind of see it as not that your life is over, but there's a, there's a different part of your life Mm -hmm. that you start and your personal aspirations and such typically um, get put on hold for the betterment of your family in general. And I would love to see, because this is something that even in this short amount of time for me that um, I've been able to grow in is to, to say that you're always pursuing and always should be pursuing who you were created to be. I mean, just your passions, your giftings, your talents, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to put all of that on hold. Um, I think that was modeled to us with the best of intentions by our own mothers and fathers, you know, that it was modeled to us that, okay, this is what you do when you start having kids. And that is the place of a woman. And I would love to see not this like man bashing movement, because I'm so against the bullying, but this, I would love to see this steady and soft and hopeful movement that maybe would start through um, through my campaign, that that would be something that I would, that would be the legacy of it. That would be what's known that a, you can do anything. I, that's what I want my kids to know my, my boys and my girls, right. you can really, you can truly do anything. And there's going to be haters out there. <laughs> there's going to mm-hmm. be people that don't like you, that they don't like you because for your hair color, I mean, whatever it is. And everyone is entitled to their opinion, but it doesn't make it true. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. make it true about you. And to those, you know, 
those entrepreneurs um, in spirit, those people that maybe they're like, you know what, I don't want to do it the same way that mm -hmm. it's been done um, throughout history. I hope to breathe inspiration into that. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the big reasons I'm running as an independent is to say, just because it's been done traditionally, right, this way for yeah. pretty much as long as we can remember, we've created a huge political divide in our nation. And I think it's time that that we start healing some of that because mm -hmm. there's a mm -hmm. lot of hurts on both sides. Um, so that's what I would like for my campaign, at least, to bring about awareness to. So just a lot of inspiration and hope for people and um, even people that maybe, you know, they're entrepreneurs at heart. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this because they're going to think it's crazy. Well, maybe they'll say, oh, but remember that girl in Texas that like, you know, military spouse, like did all those kids. And then she just went and ran for ran for president. Like use me as your excuse. That's what I would love. That's awesome. And I like the uh, I like the other centeredness of that message as well is because uh, I think, again, kind of with, within the more traditional party structure, there does tend to seem to be a, a, a um, proclivity of candidates to get so over focused on issues or their candidacy that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that there's there's people that this is about that uh, you want right. to help. And there's this very practical side of it. And I think uh, focusing on that hopefulness and inspiration is a great uh, place to begin. So that's wonderful. I think that's a actually great point on which to just kind of cap this interview. So okay. uh, Anastasia, you've been so uh, wonderful with your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, really wish you the best on your uh, campaign. I'll be following it uh, closely to see uh, how things go for you. Uh, in the meantime, for people who are interested in learning more about you and your work, where should they be going? Um, my website would be a great place. So just AnastasiaHalcom.com. Awesome. That, that sounds great. Well, Anastasia, thank you so much and wishing you the best as you continue on this incredible journey that you've started. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate this opportunity. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Tim Talks Politics Podcast. Thank you so much for joining the conversation whenever and wherever you're listening from. If you're in a generous mood, I'd love it if you would leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps to improve the show and increase its visibility in the marketplace of ideas. And please be sure to check out the show notes at timtalkspolitics.com where you can find additional content and subscribe to my newsletter, The Weekly Brief. This is Tim Malash. Until next time, have a great week, and I will see you again on the Tim Talks Politics Podcast.